to the Revolutionary Wrestling Podcast for our review, timely as you can see, of day two of Wrestle Kingdom 14. Now, Tony, unfortunately, my uh, prophecy that our lives might have caught up did come true. But, folks... Weird how you telegraph. We came through for you in the end, and we have our review for you of Wrestle Kingdom 14, night two. Uh, quite the evening, and also to uh, cap this evening off, I got a bottle of Kamiki Japanese blended whiskey. Um, this one, uh, quite interesting. Kind of hard to get your hands on this stuff in the recent uh, shortage of Japanese whiskey. It's a handsome box, handsome bottle. I like it. It's just sometimes simple is best, like that Cardu. Yep. Simple. The 1762 bottle, simple. Yep. This is simple. It's a trap. Oh, I'm I'm definitely gonna re recycle this as a Scotch bottle when oh, we yeah. this bottle. Um, but this uh, would you like me to get into this now, or should we get into the event? Let's jump into the event, and then we will pause, and we can jump into this. All right, we'll we'll end on this note. How's that? That works. All right. So, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Oh, the card was a who's who of Japanese wrestling, and a couple of uh, American stars made their appearance as well. We did have some face names that all of us should be familiar with, especially after the banner year of 2019, because let's face it, we had a lot of... Uh, 2019 was kind of the year of promotions springing up out of the woodwork, if you will. AEW, obviously cemented themselves as the number two in America in very short time. But all the indie guys, indie promotions like your MLWs, your Impact, your Rings of Honor, they all kind of, NWA, they all kind of came springing back. And it's, it's I don't want to call it a revival of professional wrestling just yet, but... I will. Okay, there you go. Good enough. And, uh... Do we pour this first or should we, do we let it set? Let's wait on this. Let's wait on this. I know I'm a little eager too, but let's let's, right. let's get a couple of matches in. Then I'll be honest, Tony. I'm just kind of admiring this angelic like halo light that I happen <laughs> to find myself in in the shot. Just like, <laughs> that's fair. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, we don't usually get this uh, uh, natural lighting. If yeah, you will. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's pretty shocking. Yeah. yeah. So first and foremost, uh, we did not predict the pre-show match. The I'll, match. I'll be frank because I didn't understand what I was looking at when I read the, the match card. I understood more once we started watching the event. Uh, it was a gauntlet match for the kind of vacant, never six-man tag team championships. And I thought I started to understand it, and then I, I didn't. The thing that I didn't like about this match is the guy who pinned... Liger in his second to last match loses the match and loses the six man tag team titles. I mean, like, if this is Liger's last send off, they are not doing him that that well. I'm yeah. just gonna say that. And I'll um, be honest, I kind of lost track of who was all in the match. It started out with Team Chaos versus Bullet Club, then some another team. Chaos, I think, had two pins, then they got eliminated, and then it ended up being, of course, uh, Tahagi, Bushi, Evil winning the vacant titles. And 
you didn't enjoy it as much as I did. I, the thing I enjoyed about this match the most was their dedication to actually following the standard rules of six-man tag team matches. Like, if you watch a, a match on AEW Dynamite, it's just six guys hitting the ring at random times. These guys had tags. There was one guy on the apron, one guy on the floor. They really followed a, a, a very specific flow, no matter which team was in the ring. I liked that. Maybe it was the Liger thing that kind of soured me a little bit, but yeah, I gave it two stars. I, you know, I enjoyed it a little more. I, I gave it 2.75. I thought it was decent. I, I really enjoyed it for a pre-show match, as busy as it was. Uh, now, this one, um, yeah, Liger's last match. Liger and Sano versus uh, Lee and Taga. Good God. Takahashi. <laughs> There are similarities. That's going to happen more than once. There are very similar names here. This match uh, was definitely better than Liger's match the night before because it just wasn't long and there was so much going on. But this was just a tag match, so they got to showcase a lot more of Liger as he rode off into the sunset, thankfully. Yes, and uh, this was actually a pretty good match. There was only like really one spot that I recall that didn't go completely smooth, and yeah. light, there's a reason it's Liger's last match, okay? Like, and, and as you alluded to, he had a pretty big history with... The Junior Heavyweight Championship that uh, Takahashi now has. Um, and so... He gets the pick. Of course the champ's gonna beat... Now, uh, Liger was either the first champion, or he was either the first Junior Heavyweight Champion to defend it in the Tokyo Dome. Okay. Both might be the case. Uh, but yeah, it could um, be both. Regardless, um, even though we haven't put anything in it yet, we will have a toast to you later, uh, Mr. Liger. And uh, thanks for all the memories. Sir. We, yeah. It, I gave it three stars. I gave it three as well. That might be a touch generous. Maybe not enough. It's hard to say. Maybe, but it's Liger's last match. If you think we're being too generous... Understand that. If you think we're not being generous enough, understand we're also kind of jaded wrestling marks. There it is. So, three stars. all that being said, yes, three <laughs> stars. Um, now, we move on to... An actual ta championship tag team match. The Bullet Club. A portion of it, anyway. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the the attention-getting part wasn't there tonight. Yeah, and I actually predicted this match differently because I read it wrong. Uh, it was for the junior tag team titles. And I thought that the Bullet Club had them. I, they may have had a title. I think they had one that they were holding, but it was not for those. It was for the junior tag team titles. And Sho and Yo were not the champions. That's why I predicted them to win. They did win. So I still got a point. I'm yeah, I, happy for that. I had Bullet Club, but uh, all in all, um, really not that bad of a match. I gave it three stars. It was, it was a workable I went 3.25, probably because I got the W there, but I don't know. I, I actually I like the fact that both teams actually looked like teams. This wasn't just like the night before where we saw random pairings and you couldn't tell who was on whose side and it just, it flowed well. They had a good chemistry together. The, the tag team functionality was all there. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good match and Bullet Club looked like they had it locked up. Then they actually hit a good spot there at the end where Sho and Yo came back and you could decisively see that they'd taken control, got their hit, hit the finish, one, two, three, new champs. I like that. It was a good storytelling match. So 3.25.
Fair, fair. Moving right along. Zack Sabre Jr. versus the Japanese classical music professional wrestler himself, Sonata. Yeah, I was really I don't care, to... Tony. That joke will never get old for me. Um, this, I, one, this one actually had good build. I'm going to be honest with you. From what I saw, I'm going to give it a three stars. I love his arm manipulations. But, full disclosure, um, we are here in the marvelous Castle KOE Mill. And uh, I did get distracted with uh, some work for a few minutes. So That's Tony true. can give a much more fair... Uh, I saw the beginning, and I saw the middle, or I saw the end, but That's I didn't the see the middle. So, from what I saw, three-star work on Zack Sabre Jr.'s part. I love his arm manipulations, but the rest of this match, I gotta give, let Tony give it proper credence. This, uh, this, I, the build was actually pretty good for this. Like, I like the packages they showed before the match. Uh, the, the styles between two guys uh, really seemed to mesh well. You could see the modern versus the classic style. Saber's just one of those guys who really follows traditional wrestling but puts a modern flair on it. So they, they stylistically went so well together. And halfway through, I'm like, man, this is going to get amazing. And then towards that last, like, eighth or so of the match, they kind of gave up on the flow of the match and started doing a, a crap load, like just an overly fucking huge load of reverse pins. That, and that's what ended it. That were way, like, and I I was into it at this point. I'd been watching it, and the uh, that sequence really seemed very contrived for a Zack Sabre Jr. match. Yeah, and they didn't. Um, that's not typical. There was a portion that didn't quite flow perfectly, so that kind of took, and then it ended it. That was the end of it. It was reversing pins, and I don't know. I was disappointed that it ended that way. Uh, Sabre did end up retaining Kind of expected that you did have Saber to retain. You get another point there. We'll get to that later, folks. Um, now the IWGP US Championship: John Moxley versus Juicy himself, Robinson. Hey, hey. Now, yes. Hey, Juicy did get robbed. He did, in fact, get robbed. Perhaps we could even... Why do you have to do that? Think about justice for Juice. Why? <laughs> You're such an ass. Sorry. So this match. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you pointed it out yesterday. This would be a great way for them to get out of keeping the belt... On Moxley, put it on him, take it right back off of him. That didn't happen. We both had Moxley. That was the finish that happened. I, I'll be honest. Uh, this match, kind of, uh, about two-thirds of it. I'm like, okay, it's standard Mox match. Nothing to write home up about here. But then, you know, that last third, they kicked it up a notch. Not match-wise, but storytelling-wise. Mox got into a bit of a zone, and he's like, come on, hit me, hit me, come on. And he kind of hit his zone, and Juice kind of followed with him, and it, you almost kind of believe like Juice was going to win it. Mox did hit the win, hit like two double-arm DDTs, whatever you call it these days, a big one at the end, 
one, two, three. I thought that put it over the, where I had it before. That the very end really helped it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. In the end, uh, it, yes. <laughs> in the end, uh, it was a serviceable Moxley match. It wasn't anything that really blew me away. It was a three star match, in my opinion. Um, Moxley's. I gave it three point two five because of the end. Yeah, yeah. It, Moxley, uh, he's been making a lot of headlines in Japan. It's just the stuff that I've seen uh, isn't topping his American work. No, and yeah, like last night, the, the death match was not very hardcore. I think that's mostly just to kind of protect himself because he did get injured during the, you know, the tournament. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's probably trying to protect himself just a wee bit. So, but then here tonight, he had a good match. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was contrived with a bunch of hardcore spots that were unnecessary. So, I I liked it. I, there were things I'd change about it. But I think the big thing was, after the retain... Suzuki! He comes out. It, we couldn't quite tell if they were going to actually have a match right there. Yeah, I, there. It, it looked like a match was actually going to go down. Like, the ref was even like, hey, whoa, 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 guys. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's get ready for this. And... In the end, it didn't happen, so, uh, you know. But, hey. And I like they were ringing the bell as Suzuki was choked. He puts him in a rear naked, chokes Mox out, drops him. A great build. Crystal pile driver. Great build. Great build for a future match. And I, you know what? I don't know I'll if it'll. watch it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I would love to see that be the build for a cross promotion at AEW Revolution. Ooh. Defending the IWGP US title on AEW Revolution. Make it happen. Come on. Oh, man. Don't tempt me. I know. I know. It's, so, it's... <laughs> moving on down the, the line, we got Hiroki Goto versus Kenta for the Never Openweight Championship. This was, uh, yeah. Man. I, I don't know. Something felt a little off for me in this one. I don't know why. I, I wanted a little bit more, and they didn't quite hit a gear that I was hoping that they would hit. So, I don't know. I I gave it... I gave it 2.75. You were a little more generous. I liked the match. I thought it flowed well for what Goto does. Um, it's... Goto has kind of a more slow, plotty combat style. Yeah. Uh, so, for that, I gave it 3.25. Goto did get the win here. Moving right along... We got Abushi versus White. Yeah, this was the consolation match of the title matches from the night before. The uh, wow, Abushi just looks like a Terminator. Let me just say that. Yeah, yeah, I like. I did not buy the idea of Abushi losing at all. No, I didn't because the way he lost the night before with the brass knuckles, no one could see, which is why you always wrap it in white. Hey. Yeah, it took a lot, but wow, Abushi eats the loss here. Twice. Wow. Twice. Two nights in a row. That but shocked me. In the end, like, still, Abushi still sold his ass off. And oh, like, yeah. When people call him a genius, it is not uh, it is not without merit. So, I gave it three and a half. Yeah, I really liked this match, and I... I thought it was three and a half, but I'm going to go 3.75 because the end was so surprising 
You didn't expect it. Ibushi sold his ass off, like you said. Great match, 3.75. Um, yeah, not, not much to other than be said than when people call Ibushi a genius in the ring, it is not without merit. He's a very um, intimidating-looking opponent. Oh, got a great physique. Mm-hmm. I mean, takes good care of himself. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening. Takahashi versus Le Champion. The pain maker, Chris Jericho. AEW world champion that he actually got to have with him. So this, oh, please, let's do this New Japan AEW cross-promotion. It has to happen. Come on. Oh. Jericho versus Naito? Ooh. It's going to be great. If they can make uh, it happen, it'd be great. So, long story short here, folks. Jericho, you can always count on to deliver a good three-star match. Doesn't matter who he's in there with. Uh, Takahashi, uh, now, there is one thing I did notice, though. At one point, Takahashi was running towards him on the ropes, and Jericho did, in fact, hit him with a back elbow, and that wasn't the finish of the match. Now, apparently, Jericho didn't get the additional 20% rotation necessary. You gotta have that. Gotta uh, have that. Apparently. Absolutely have to. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say anybody looks slow here, Jericho did exactly what Jericho's been doing for the last year, and he he delivered a solid match. Plus a lion salt. Yeah, and the fact that he can still hit that's damn impressive. You can't take that away from him. No, no. So that's why I said I'm giving him three stars. I think three's fair. Uh, um, the it, man can deliver a serviceable three star match with a goddamn broom handle. There you so go. So what else? What else can you ask for? There you go. Three fucking stars. Um, so, <laughs> oh, that being said, Jericho. Thank you again, sir. Now, moving on to the main event. Okada, Naito. Um, the last ending sequence, the last two minutes, was a really good sequence that... I mean, jaded wrestling fan like me, it was like still like, oh, yes! Uh, if I, you're I, popping for this match and you're enjoying it and popping, it, that's... That's basic storytelling 101. That's what you want out of a main event. This this got so much good build. The double champion uh, stipulation. And Naito winning the title the night before. Very, very good storytelling. I, regardless of how some people felt about having all the belts on the line here. It just, you didn't feel like Naito stood a chance. Because, of course, he's going against Okada. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be Okada. You thought it was going to be Okada. Yeah. Everybody in the arena thought it was going to be Okada. So, guess what? If you got all those eyes, make another star. Okada understands yeah. he needs a dance partner. So, And I said this as it was over. I said, Phil, so that's how you make a new star. We've gotten so used to WWE television where they have not been doing a great job of building new top stars. At all. At all. We're, this this was it. This is how you do it. You mean you have your top guy once in a while lose the big match to the upcoming white hot guy? Two Whoa! massive wins. Whoa! Two massive Boy. wins back to back. Wow. I'm sure there's, you know, a couple guys like, you know, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, and, you know, a couple of those who could really, you know, Benefit from that? Could really benefit from that little piece of advice. You know, 
pull the trigger on them when they're white hot. But yeah, ah, you know, foo, fooey. We'll, we'll get to that another day. So yeah, Tony Okada Naito. What do you give it? This one's hard because it was so well told. Uh, the match was spectacular. I'm trying not to rate it too high. I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this four stars. Four stars. Damn, I'm gonna agree. Four stars. It was a great four star match. I'm sure Meltzer's gonna give it twenty seven. Uh, that's my thing. It's kind of like last night we were joking when it was um, Okada versus Abushi. Every time Abushi and Okada would exchange a forearm, Meltzer's going, two stars, three stars, yeah. four stars, five stars, six stars. And so... But nobody bled, so it can't be fun. Oh, gosh. You, you do have a good point. See, right. there it is. So, but it was a good, great, like, Okada shows why he's, he's Rainmaker. I've never seen a bad match out of Okada. I don't think you can have one. Um... I've never seen a match that I've rated lower than four stars out of Okada. Um, the matches that people gave him six and seven stars for, I watched, and they were good 4.2 star matches. Um, you know, Seth Rollins versus AJ was better, but, you know, it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm being object. I'm trying to be as clear cut down the middle as I can here, folks. Yeah. Um, but it was a damn good 4.2 star match. That one that Meltzer flipped out and gave like seven stars. Um, but no, this was a good four star match. Yeah, yeah. And being completely honest, it's a good, great four star match to cap off a two night event. And then, of course, at the very end, after Naito is celebrating, cutting his promo with both of his new belts, Kenta hits the ring, sets up a future feud. This is how you do it. This is storytelling. This is long term build. It's How else should you do it? This is how you do it. I don't know why people don't do this more. I'm glad to see it. So, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Phil KOE retains his title, and I am going into the Royal Rumble as your champion of the Revolutionary Wrestling Podcast, and I will be reporting in from Houston. But, Tony, since this was... The biggest event in all Japan. I figured we need to top it off with a fine Japanese whiskey. Now what I have here is Kamaki. And it is a blend of Japanese whiskeys and varying whiskeys from around the world. Which in my opinion means scotch. Uh, but Omiwa Shrine is one of the oldest shrines in Japan. And the protector of alcohol producing families. It is located in the ancient capital of Nara. Amid a dense forest of Yoshiro Sugi, the Japanese cedar, which for centuries is being used to build temples and casks for aging alcohol. Um, and so basically it gets into that they're blending whiskeys and that we hope that you enjoy this fine, exquisite blend. But Kimaki, you know, considering we're having kind of a Japanese whiskey shortage, this was not an easy bottle to find. Um... Lovely bottle. Yes. 48% alcohol by volume. Looking forward to this. All right. I'll let you master your own pour there, Thank sir. Yeah, definitely going to reuse this 
awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, good smell. Yeah, it's not... It's a different oak, but it's... It's aged in Japanese cedar, so... It's got a soft harshness. Just enough harshness, but appealing. Yeah, you can still smell the booze. Yeah. I like it. I, now, like... I put enough water in my glass to the point where I believe I'm at about 35% alcohol by volume. What is it normally? 48. Okay, so yeah. You, so, you want to dilute it just a touch. Uh, 35%, in my personal opinion, is the ideal. Uh, anything over that, your palate's just going to... Yeah, you're just booze at that point. Hmm. Wow. It's a... Ooh, there's a definite sweetness. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very sweet. It, it's actually... There's a bite, but... Not a huge one. Its appearance actually reflects the taste, if that makes any sense. Mm. Wow. I, I do like this. It's good. Uh, yeah. The, the cedar really brings out some difference. That, you got to remember, there's a lot of scotch and whiskeys from around the world. Yeah, yeah. There could be Canadian whiskeys. There could be Irish whiskeys. I say there's no distinct. Uh, flavor that sets itself from the other, though. Other than the cedar aging. Yeah, it's got a very good blend of flavors there. Yeah, I'm not not complaining on this one at all. Um, Alright. Japanese whiskey scale? Kind of hard because we're not yeah. really much of a... Let's... I'm gonna go ahead and give this a four. On Japanese whiskeys? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Four. I definitely drink this over some other ones I've tried. I mean, sake's. Uh, brown, being your standard. Brown spirits? Oh, three. Three? Yeah, three. Uh, I'm going to go 3.75 because there is a harshness to it. Like there, there, is. there is a burn. Like your cheeks burn a little bit after your first drink. Your That's, lips your lips don't. But, but your the insides, yeah. your, inside walls, your cheeks do burn. Yeah. And that's always my uh, sign. Like if when I drink alcohol and my cheeks don't burn... They've really done well to temper. Yeah. Uh, so 3.75. Um, now, Kimaki, you make a fine, fine whiskey. But, Tony, before we do go, there's one last thing I wanted to do now that we have our drinks out. And that was a toast to you, Jushin Thunder Liger. This was your last match. And this toast is for you, sir, for all the years of memories. I didn't even know what Japanese professional wrestling was until I saw your match. Uh, yeah, I was an American fan exposed to American wrestling. And in the late 90s, when I saw a Japanese wrestler and Bobby the Brain Heenan explaining who you were, explaining where you came from, that started the journey of discovering Japanese wrestling for me. So, Jushin Thunder Liger, you'll always hold a special place in my heart and in all the KOE Nation's heart. Tony? Indeed. No, you couldn't have said it any better. Great look, great wrestler, storied career. Ends it the right way. To you, Jushin. <laughs> Folks, this has been Wrestle Kingdom 14 and our Kimaki... Japanese whiskey blend review. I am your king of extreme, 
your champion, Phil KOE, signing off and handing it off to my indomitable broadcast partner as we head on the way to the Royal Rumble. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you for watching. I am Tony fucking G, and we will see you very soon.